Well, today we're wrapping up Live Week. Have you lived this week? Are you alive this morning? Some of you are. Um, Man, it's been a, I trust it's been a good week as we are seeking to expose more white space in our lives, making room for Sabbath. Our prayer and our hope and our desire is that this is only the beginning of a life change for us all. This is a process. This is, this is something that we need to be continually working at, continually growing and continually learning what it looks like to do Sabbath in the 21st century. I've had several conversations with many of you this week at different times, and, and I'm encouraged to see the way you're, you're wrestling with it, the way you're struggling with it. Uh, how does this look at my situation in my life? And I love that. And tonight um, at 5 o'clock, after our Lord's Supper time, uh, there's going to be an open Q&A. So I encourage you, if you've got a specific situation uh, like, how, how does it look for me to do it in my circumstances? And that's really what we want to do tonight, is try to address those things more personally uh, and more individually. Now, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11. If you need a Bible, the ushers have Bibles. Uh, that you are, Raise your hand if you want one. They'll give you one. It's, it's uh, yours to keep if you would like. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is a very familiar text. Uh, much loved text. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. Many of you know it. Many of you have memorized it. Many of you have gone to it time after time after time to take solace in the words of Jesus um, as he offers us rest, Sabbath, soul rest. Uh, And and what I want to do is just read this together. Uh, Regardless of the translation you have, if you look up here in the screen, let's all read it together. Ready? Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't those beautiful words? Aren't those great words? One of the most stressful times in our married life uh, was about six or seven years into marriage. I was a new young pastor. We had a, we had a two-year-old. We were brand new parents. Uh, my wife was pregnant with another one coming on the way. And in a very, very painful and difficult process, I was, uh, I would say, unceremoniously released from the church that we were pastoring. So we ended up unemployed, eight months pregnant, no health insurance, uh, about to lose our house. I literally thought about driving through the bank, they had bank drive-ups back then, and dropping the keys to the house in the box and driving away. Uh, It was one of the lowest times probably in in our, at least in our married lives, probably our whole lives. We were disillusioned, we were confused, we were hurt. Uh, We were discouraged. Even our two-year-old was a wreck. She had no idea why, but she knew there was stress in the house, and and she absorbed that stress too. I I would say that we were what this verse talks about in the very first line. We were burdened. We were heavy laden. The yoke was heavy. 
Now, over the years, there have been more seasons like that, and many of you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you are there right now. There is a season of life where uh, health issues or perhaps the death of a loved one or circumstances that just don't make sense and your you know, questions and difficulties, and you are in what one uh, great old saint called the dark night of the soul. The deep, dark valley. And you're burdened. And you're weary. And life weighs heavily on you. This doesn't, I don't mean for this to be such a downer, but... Um, some of you there? Yeah. For centuries, Jesus' words in Matthew 11 have been cool water for those walking through that deep, dark valley. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to immerse ourselves in the cool waters of these verses and find rest for our souls. Now, the Sabbath that we talked about last Sunday, and all this week, if you've been watching the videos, uh, that Sabbath is an outward physical act. It has to do with our schedule. It has to do with our calendars. It's an essential life rhythm that God has ordained for us. This one out of seven, work six days, rest one day. It's not an option. We need to, we need to build it into our lives. We, that's what we've been seeing all week. But there's another aspect of rest that I want us to focus on today. And it's what I would call soul rest. And I, I take that from, from uh, verse 29. You will find rest for your souls. Now these two aspects of Sabbath, a physical day of rest and soul rest, are, are closely tied together. And that's why we're, we're wrapping up uh, this, this emphasis on white space with this idea of soul rest. A physical Sabbath day where you stop your work and you, you rest from your labors, that kind of a physical Sabbath day is an expression of the soul rest that's more internal. It's, it's in our souls, it's in our spirits. Uh, a Sabbath day is a tangible, taste it, touch it kind of rest that is an expression, a reflection of that soul rest. I don't think we can separate them. I don't think we can say, well, I'm going to do a Sabbath day, but tomorrow I'm going to do soul rest. I don't, I don't think it works that way. Um, they go together. Uh, and in fact, taking a Sabbath day is kind of a waste of time if you're not experiencing the rest in your soul. You ever been on vacation? You took some time off, long weekend, and it was lousy? You know what I mean? Been there, done that, got the scars from it. Um, you're just grumpy the whole time. You're looking forward to this great week away, and you get there, and it's like, ugh, you just at each other's throats, and you know nothing goes well. There is no soul rest going on. Well, there's a very real danger that we take a Sabbath day or a vacation time And we aren't getting soul rest. Now, I, I, I bring that up as an illustration because I am so incredibly guilty of this. It is inevitable when we get some time away that the first day or two, I'm just awful. 
My wife's like, just go away and come back in a couple days. And, and, and um, that would probably be a good thing to do. And I always blame it on detoxing. You know, I'm getting all the poisons out of my system. And that makes it sound not quite so sinful. Um, but, but that's the difference between a Sabbath day, a physical outward Sabbath, and a soul rest. Those first few days of vacation, my soul is not at rest, even though we've ceased our labor. So there's this external aspect of Sabbath, and there's this internal aspect of Sabbath rest. They go together, and they provide this complete sense of resting in Jesus. So what I want to do this morning is, is I'm going to call it a leisurely stroll through these verses. And I want, I want to let the cool water of Jesus' words refresh us and teach us about resting in Jesus. I just want to unpack some of the, some of the thoughts and some of the concepts in these verses and, and let us see what this soul rest looks like and how we can live in light of it. Because I think this is huge. I'm going to share a story later, but I have been chasing this my whole life. I have been trying to get this for decades. And I don't have it yet. So if you leave today and go, I don't get it, you're okay. But let's start. Let's start the process. So I want, to, I want us to read this together again. And again, this is, this is just a kind of a stroll through these verses. So ready? Let's read it together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, just reading that is refreshing. Jesus starts out by saying, come to me. Come to me. And that word come is is a little intensive. It's like, come to me. Those who are weary, those who are tired, those who are exhausted in carrying the weight of life's burdens, Jesus says, come to me. He, He beckons us, he draws us. Now, now to come to one thing implies not coming to another. You can't wear two different yokes. If we choose to carry our own burdens and and wallow in our own weariness, then I think we can say, you're on your own. If we choose to let Jesus carry our burdens, if we come to him as he asks us to do, then Jesus carries our burdens. Now the problem with that is if we come to Jesus, we're not quite sure what it's going to look like. What's he going to do? But if we, if we stay in our own pity party and carry our own burdens, we're still in control. Oh, so much of this is about who's in control. So much of this is about who's in control. We know the right answer, don't we? It's not me. Come to me, Jesus says. 
Understand that he is the only source of rest for those of us who are tired with work and labor, who are weary with carrying the burdens of life. The language in, this, in these verses is intensely first person. Me, I, my, me, I. It's Jesus talking and he's using intensive first person pronouns to say, I am the one. Come to me, I will give you rest. You're not going to find it on your own. Come to me, and I will give you rest. He is the only source of true rest, period. Do we believe that? Do we live like that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't. You can take a Sabbath day every week. You can take a Sabbath day every day. And if it doesn't include Jesus, you'll find no rest. Now when we do come to him, he gives rest. Twice in these verses, verse 28, it says, I will give you rest. Then in verse 29, he says, you will find rest for your souls. The word rest here has in it the idea of stopping or ceasing. Sound familiar? Just like our word for Sabbath, there's this idea of stopping, ceasing, quit, quit, quit. But it's soul rest, so it's not so much about stopping our work. That's Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest, we stop our work, we stop our labor, we stop our productivity. Soul rest, we stop our worrying, we stop our anxiety, we stop our stress, we stop our cares. Doesn't that sound good? Does that sound good? Does that sound better than taking a day off of work? But it's only in Jesus. And it's only giving up control. The soul rest, by, by definition, is it's a refreshing, rejuvenating rest. It's not a rest like those first two days of vacation that I'm on. That's not refreshing or rejuvenating at all. That's stressful. This kind of rest restores your soul. It's a Sabbath for the soul. And you're refreshed, and you're rejuvenated, and you're renewed. And then he says, uh, learn from me. Verse 29, take my yoke and learn from me. If you're, if, you're, if you're like me, as you hear me talking about these concepts of soul rest, you go, yeah, that sounds good, but how? How do I do that? I can remember growing up as a young new believer and hearing sermons and go, yeah, but I hear that, but how do I do that? You're not telling me how. And I understand now that sometimes there isn't a how to some of these concepts. You've got to live them, but, but I'm going to do my best to help us understand how. How do, I get, how do I get soul rest? How do I let go of all my stuff when there is so much going on? You don't know my life. You don't know all the stress and the situation and the health issues and the relational issues that I have going on. No, I don't, but Jesus does. That's why he says, come to me. He even knows more about it than you do. And he says, come to me. How in the world do I let Jesus carry my burden? 
What does that even look like? Well, the short answer is, come to me. Quit carrying your own burdens. Come to him. He says, come to me and let me do it. The the longer answer is, learn from me. Learn from me. We have got a lot to learn about rest. We've got a lot to learn about Sabbath rest. We've got a lot to learn about soul rest. Spending this whole week focusing on it only begins to scratch the surface. The word for learn here in Matthew, it comes from the same word as disciple. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is learning how to rest. It's a process. It's a lifetime process. If you feel like, I don't have this, you're okay, you're in good company. But I hope that because of our focus on it this week, you're a few steps ahead of where you were a week ago or ten days ago. That's growth. That's learning from him. And, and the frustrating thing is it changes as we go through life stages. Man, I remember raising our kids. We just, we just get something figured out. Like, this really works. And they'd move into this next stage, and that no longer worked. And so we got to refigure it all again. It's constantly changing. Sabbath rest, soul rest, looks different for a teenager, and it looks different for a single person. It looks different for a married couple. It looks different for empty nesters. And as you move through phases of life, soul rest, Sabbath rest will look different, and we continue to learn from him. We learn from him. We walk in the spirit. We constantly evaluate. This isn't a law that we have to slavishly follow every week. It's a life rhythm that the spirit continues to teach us. And we learn from him. Sabbath rest and soul rest. But realize we learn it from him. We learn it by walking with him, by coming to him. It's one of the values of a Sabbath day, of taking a day, one out of seven, where you quit, you stop. It gives us time to learn from Jesus. We can spend extra time. We can take that day, no laundry, no work, no no mowing the lawn, no whatever, and we just focus on learning from him. We think, we pray, we journal, we read, we meditate. We actually have the white space in our lives to be still and know that he is God, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to build relationships with Jesus, to build our our relationship with Jesus so we can learn from him what this looks like. Now let's talk about this yoke. Not yet. (laughs) Go back one. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Verse 30 says, my yoke is easy. Twice he mentions yoke. Now, what comes to mind when you think of a yoke? Eggs, right. That's what I was afraid of. (sighs) You Southern Californians have no clue what real work... No, I don't mean that. (laughs) My, uh, my parents were, they loved antiques. 
And I grew up in the East Coast. They grew up in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, I remember as a kid, my mom and dad being on pursuit of an ox yoke. They wanted an ox yoke so bad. I'm not quite sure why. Um, <clears throat> maybe because my dad plowed with horses when he was a boy and it brought back good memories or bad memories. But they finally found this ox yoke and we cleaned it up and we painted it and we hung it on the outside of the house over the garage. And if you don't know what an ox yoke is, and I think most of you do, it's this big, heavy beam of wood, maybe four or five or six feet long. And it's the t- two sides of it are, are curved a little bit. And there are these wooden hoops, and you put the ox yoke on the neck of two horses or two oxen, and you put the hoops around their neck, and it locks them together. And then you hook up the plow or the wagon or whatever you're pulling, and, and that yoke transfers the burden of labor to the two oxen or the two horses. I, I really suspect they put the, they put the yoke up over the garage uh, so that us four kids would realize that if we didn't do our chores, uh, that yoke was coming down and it was going on us. <laughs> I, I don't know. But man, I just can see that yoke in my mind. Why does Jesus say, take his yoke and put it on us. That sounds like work. What is his yoke? And how do we take his yoke? And does that mean we're wearing our yoke? And if we don't take his yoke, then what? And and how is his yoke easy? No yoke sounds easy to me. Well, there's a couple aspects to this that um, I'm going to try to unpack here. I put that next slide up there. One commentator says this about this idea, and, 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 and my first point here is that there is work, there is labor, there is a burden in following Jesus, okay? Uh, we're not talking here about we prop our feet up and, and uh, drink lemonade all day and let Jesus do all the work. Um, Jesus does not promise freedom from toil or labor but he promises rest in the soul that makes his yoke kindly and good and all his burdens easy to bear. Okay, that sounds good. When he says his yoke is easy, easy may not be the best translation of that word uh, in verse 30. Um, it, it actually means that his yoke is well-fitting. Uh, one person said it's, his yoke is tailor-made. Um, uh, one other commentator says a best one-word translation would be kindly. His yoke is kindly. It's good. It's pleasant. Yokes don't tend to bring up the idea of being kind and pleasant, but that's the word that, that Matthew uses when he records Jesus' words here. Um, And maybe the idea is easy to carry. That may be where the translators get that word easy. His yoke is easy. It's easy to carry. It's easy to carry that burden. Because he says his his burden is light. We find rest in Jesus because now he carries the burden and we're not carrying it. And that brings us to the second aspect Um. And this might be the key idea in this whole concept. The idea behind his yoke, I think, uh, takes us to the question, who will carry the load? 
As we face life, as we face our burdens and face our situations, we ask ourselves, who will carry the load? And I suggest only one person can carry the load. If I carry my own burdens, then I'm wearing my yoke, and it's heavy. Okay, if I'm carrying my own burdens, my own struggles, my own stress, my own anxiety, it's my yoke and it's heavy. If Jesus is carrying my burdens, then I'm wearing his yoke and it's light. If Jesus is carrying my burdens and my stress and my anxieties and my problems and my concerns, then I'm wearing his yoke and it's, it's well-fitting, it's pleasant, it's kindly. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he is carrying the burden, not me. He is doing the work. So I find soul rest in him. With me? Jesus has never asked us or expected us to carry the burdens of life all by ourselves. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. But the problem is we are so stinking independent, aren't we? We want to be in control. I got this. We're Americans. I can, I can pull myself up up my bootstraps. And if I don't like what I see, I'm going to rebel and revolt and start a whole new government. That's in our DNA. And it's not all good. If we stay in control, then we're carrying our own yoke. And it's heavy. But it's so hard to let go of control. And that's what Jesus has come to me. And if I can paraphrase, let go of control, yield it, let me take it, and you'll find rest for your souls. So how do I do this? It sounds hard. <laughs> it is. Um, how, how, how do we get there? Well, the short answer, this is full of short answers and long answers today, the short answer is we do it by faith, by belief, by trust. So much of our struggle has to do with unbelief, uh, not fully trusting God. We know in our hearts that God is good. We know in our hearts that he is in control. We know that he will take care of things. We know he's a loving, heavenly father. We know that he's sovereign over all things, and all things work together for good to those that love him. We know all those things, but we act like it's up to us. So we need to get more faith. We need to believe better. We need to believe harder. If I just had more faith and believed more, I'd be okay. So the next question is, how do we get more faith? How do we trust him more so we can let him carry the yoke and find rest for our souls? How do we do that? Because I want that. All right, here comes the long answer. Remember a couple weeks ago, Todd talked about Hudson Taylor? He had a picture of him up here and a quote. Hudson Taylor started the China Inland Mission in the mid to late 1800s. 
Many, many of the tens of millions of believers in China today can trace their spiritual heritage back to Hudson Taylor. Several months ago, I was talking to a Chinese believer who had just come over, and uh, I asked her if she knew who Hudson Taylor was. Oh, yes. I mean, her face just lit up. They know who he is. At one point, uh, probably in the mid to probably... Uh, 1870s, somewhere in there, there was serious writing going on in the in, inland parts of China. And the missionaries that were out working were in serious danger. Uh, eventually, some would give their lives for the spread of the gospel in China. And uh, at Hudson Taylor's office, these telegrams would arrive telling about the danger and telling about what's going on and... and uh, uh, one of his assistants thought, I'm just going to kind of close the door and leave because he probably is really stressing over this. And he happened to hear that Hudson Taylor was in his office whistling his favorite hymn. His favorite hymn is, is one we don't know very well. Uh, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. We're going to sing it at the end today. Billy worked really hard to learn it so we could... Because it's really obscure, but it's so good. And his assistant went in and says, how in the world can you whistle when, you, when our missionaries are in such danger? And here was his answer. Uh, back up one. Would you have me anxious and troubled, he said? That would not help them, and it would certainly incapacitate me for my work. I have just to roll the burden on the Lord. Okay, get that phrase. I have just to roll the burden on the Lord. And then his son, his, his son, his Hudson Taylor's son, is writing this story about him. He says he had learned that for him only one life was possible, just that blessed life of resting and rejoicing in the Lord in all circumstances, and I would add, even life-threatening circumstances. Taylor's response to difficulties in life was to roll the burden on the Lord. Okay, that's good. How do I do that? This was after many, many years of wrestling and struggling with this concept, but he'd finally learned the secret of soul rest, of soul Sabbath. So, so we say, well, yes, he had incredible faith. I don't have that faith. How do I get more faith? We're still in the middle of the long answer. So hang on. Uh, 39 years ago, as a young Bible college student, I was assigned this book to read. This is the actual copy. It's precious to me. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Some of you have read it. It's 99 cents for, on, on Kindle, on Amazon. It's worth a million times that. I read this book. I read about Hudson Taylor's soul rest and something in me just reached out. Something in me desperately wanted that. 
I wanted it so bad. I craved it. I longed for it. It haunted me for years. It still does. How to get it. How to simply rest in Jesus. It became a driving force in my life. This idea of resting. This idea of Sabbath. This idea of just roll your burdens onto Jesus. How, how, do, how do I do that? I read everything I could on Hudson Taylor. I counted last night. I've got 19 books on Hudson Taylor on my shelf. We named our son Taylor. 26 years ago. I did my college final thesis on Sabbath rest in Hebrews 4. My wife and I started a, a ministry to give pastors a, a time of rest and refreshment. This, this whole concept just consumed, it has consumed my life. Kind of blew me away when I did the math and realized it was 39 years ago that I read this. It's been driving me ever since. And I thought, wow, what what? I was 19. What in me craved this as a 19-year-old? I shouldn't be. I should be living large, but something, something drew me. So how do I get more faith so I can experience the soul rest? Listen to these words of Hudson Taylor's. I'm just going to read it from my paper. You look at it up there. I strove for faith, but it would not come. I tried to exercise it, but in vain. Sins committed appeared but as trifles compared with the sin of unbelief which was their cause. Unbelief was, I felt, the damning sin of the world, yet I indulged in it. I prayed for faith, but it came not. What was I to do? Well, that's not helpful. We're trying to answer the question, how do I get more faith so I can enter into the soul rest of Jesus? And here's this guy who's a giant in his faith, and he's like, I can't find it. Unbelief is just filling me. Next slide. When my agony of soul was at its height, and he went through years of struggling with this, a sentence in a letter from a dear friend was used to remove the scales from my eyes. But how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. There it is, folks. That's the key. That's his secret. And it's not a secret. Not by striving after faith, not trying to get more faith, not trying to, but just resting on the faithful one. As I read, I saw it all. If we believe not, he abides faithful. I looked to Jesus and saw, and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed, that he has said, I will never leave you. Ah, there is rest, I thought. I have striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more. For has not he promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me, and he never will. I can't tell you how many hundreds and probably thousands, I don't know, of times I have recited in my, to myself in my head, not by striving after faith, but by resting in the faithful one. Resting in the faithful one. It's not about more faith. We don't need more faith. We've got the most faithful one there is. All we need to do is let him. Come to him. Learn from him. He's not going to let us down. That's rest. That's 
rolling your burdens over onto him and letting him carry the yoke instead of me carrying the yoke. We don't work harder to get it. That's burdensome. That's a heavy yoke. He says, I have striven in vain, I'll strive no more. Then we can simply rest in his faithfulness. Let me try to illustrate this. Uh, there have been times over the years where I didn't have a job. Probably most of you can relate. Um, I didn't know what was next. Uh, I, I left a situation, didn't know what situation I was going into. There were periods of months, sometimes longer, where there was this uncertainty. That's a burden. That's a stress. So now either I can carry that burden or I can let Jesus carry that burden. So what's it look like if I carry it? Well, it's wearisome. It's stressful. I stay in control. I got to find a job. I got to get resumes out. I got to Maybe I can cheat on my resume just a little bit, so I, a little more, you know, I mean, it's this kind of stuff. I call people, I worry, I can't sleep at night. How are we going to pay the rent? And it's just all this stress and worry. Anybody relate to that scenario? <clears throat> but what does it look like if I take his yoke upon me? And what does it look like if I let him carry that burden? Well, if I know Jesus well, I know that he is sovereign, I know that he has only my best interest in mind. He's my Abba Father. I know that he is totally in control of all things, including this situation. And I know that he is completely faithful. And like Hudson Taylor, I can rest in the faithful one. Well, I'm still going to send out resumes. I'm still going to look for jobs. I'm still going to make phone calls. But I do it in a restful way. I do it trusting my heavenly Father has got this covered. It might be hard. I may have to ask for help to pay the rent. And I've been there. I may have to cut expenses so that we can survive on a lot less. And I've been there. It might take longer than I want. And I have been there. But because he is carrying the load, I can rest if I'm willing to give up control because I serve at the pleasure of my king. We like to watch you know, West Wing and Madam Secretary and those kinds of TV shows. Maybe you have, and there's a line in there that just has really captured us. Uh, these people that are hired by the president, work for the president, serve at the president, when they're asked to do, and usually it's something distasteful they don't want to do, and their response is, I serve at the pleasure of the president. So I will do what I'm asked to do. They got something we need to get into our heads. I serve at the pleasure of the king of the universe. And if he chooses me to be unemployed for a time, I serve at the pleasure. And if he chooses me to have a health issue, a, a difficult situation, a confusing, chaotic thing, if he chooses to take a loved one away from me in death, I serve at the pleasure. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying there won't be tears and some grief. But we serve at the pleasure of the king. 
And unlike the president, he is a benevolent, loving, perfectly sovereign, totally in control, Abba Father who cares perfectly about me and will not let anything bad happen to me that's outside of his control. Wouldn't we want to serve at the pleasure of someone like that? Now, maybe you don't know Jesus, in which case you can't rest in his faithfulness. You're completely carrying your own burden and your own yoke because there's nobody else to carry it. You don't know he's a loving shepherd. You don't know he's a loving father. You don't know he's completely faithful. You don't know that he remains faithful even when we are faithless, Paul says in Timothy. He remains faithful. So we don't have to worry about blowing it because then God's going to smack us. We can't trust someone we don't know. So if you're not a believer in Jesus today at all, oh, you need to make this the day that you make him your savior. And those of us that do know him and do follow him for salvation, maybe we don't know him as well as we should. Or at least we're living like we don't know him. We need to make time. We need to take time. We need to reduce busyness. We need to create more weight space in our lives so we can get to know Jesus better. That's soul rest. And my prayer this morning is that we crave it that we seek it, that we hunger for it, that we long for it, and that we seek it till we find it. And I hope that we're each moving a little bit closer to it today than we were yesterday. I want to take one more look at our passage in Matthew, but out of a different translation. And I'm not going to read it together. I want you to listen to this. Maybe close your eyes if you want or, or whatever you want to do. But this is from the message. This is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 from uh, the message. Just, just listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? What changes are we willing to make in our lives? Don't let this be a nice week of Sabbath messages and all those great videos that you watched this week. And you move on and forget it all. Let this be life-changing. Let this be transformative. What are you going to do with the Lordship of Jesus on the Sabbath? Now, on your chair, every chair out here has a commitment card on it that the ushers put out there. You may have more if you need them. And what, what I want you to do, Billy's going to come and play this, this uh, great old hymn, Jesus, I am resting, resting, and then in a few minutes we're going to actually sing it. This is the very hymn that Hudson Taylor would sing and whistle his, and hum, his favorite hymn, so, so you, can, you can appreciate, we're on holy ground here, all right? Um, this is my spiritual hero of my entire life. 
But I, I'm going to encourage you that if before God, if he's speaking to you, fill out this card. The idea is uh, I want to, to send out encouraging emails over the next many months uh, to those that turn in the cards, encouraging you in your pursuit of Sabbath rest encouraging you in reducing busyness and encouraging you in um, finding soul rest in Jesus alone. So while Billy's praying, just, just take some time, meditate, think, fill out the card. And then we're going to sing together. And there's a couple of boxes up here on the corner of the stage. If you would just, uh, while we're singing in a few minutes, bring your cards up and lay them in the box. And maybe you want to kneel on the stairs and pray or, or the prayer room is available to go over there. Uh, I'm just going to stay right up here. Uh, but just take a few minutes between you and God. Ushers have pens if you need pens. And consider. Lord Jesus, we give this time to you right now. Oh, we long for you to take our burdens from us. We long to learn what that means. We know it's a lifetime of learning. So right now, speak to each of us as we need to hear from your voice.